It is time that we develop a radical understanding of our humanity, of our souls, of the depth of our existence here. No matter how harsh the histories are to accept or how scary it is to build a better future, we must make connections that help us better understand. We must challenge our mindsets and the ways we show up. We must allow ourselves the space to work out the vast expansiveness that is our humanity. Welcome to It Really Is That Deep. I'm your host, Kendall, and here are a few things that have been on my mind lately. So it's times like this, and I'm very happy that I have a podcast and a platform, albeit small i mean i have a decent tiktok following but like i'm very happy that i have a platform today because i had a whole plan for today's episode but then i spent like an entire day almost listening to that risa tisa audio stuff on not audio but the risa tisa like her uh, ex-husband's story or whatever about who the fuck did i marry (laughs) i spent a good amount of time watching that entire series and It's interesting because it caught my eye and I don't typically do story time content on TikTok just because the way people do all the parts is really kind of frustrating to me. And a lot of times those stories feel like people are trying to get clout and not necessarily do what Risa Tisa was doing, which maybe she did want some clout, but she, her telling her story felt like an act of like radical humanity. And I fucking love that so much. So I decided to scrap what I was gonna talk about today because I wanna talk about this story. So let me give a kind of synopsis for those of you who do not have like hours and hours and hours of your life to watch 50, 10 minute, no, it's 52, 10 minute videos on TikTok. <laughs> so Risa Tisa, which is not her real name, it's just her, uh, her handle on TikTok. So Risa Tisa is this woman who, she lives in Georgia. She had a nightmare experience with a pathological liar. And I also think that this man might have some mental health issues because some of the stuff that he did, I'm like, I don't think that he, there's something else going on with him. But basically she had this nightmare experience and she ended up marrying this man. Like it started during covid so they actually started dating i think right before lockdown and then she decided to lock down with this man and they got engaged she had a miscarriage it's a whole thing but basically she comes she finds out that this man's been lying to her this whole entire time he has been like pretending to have these conversations with family members that don't even talk to him on a regular basis so like for example every morning he would wake up before work and talk to his brother on the phone for like 30 minutes. It was just like a regular thing. And then later she found out that he does have a brother, but they don't talk. So he was just pretending to talk to him for like over a year, which is very interesting. (laughs) But, But basically it's like this very crazy story but because she has like a miscarriage and like finding out about finding out about all the lies and even the way that he like manipulated her had her out here like searching for houses that he couldn't afford and 
he would show her like her bank his bank account but come to find out it was just a screenshot of some image that he got off google but she didn't know that at the time so he was lying about having money but he had to have some income coming in because he was paying the household bills when they were living together during covid so i don't know if she she may have answered that question on a live but i didn't go on her tiktok live but basically it's this whole like clusterfuck of a situation like it literally feels like a lifetime movie and she told people this story like for detail over 52 parts on tiktok which first of all i struggle to get people to watch like my three minute videos sometimes but the way that people tuned in for this was incredible it was in the way that she was very authentic in the telling of her story. She showed accountability. She just, uh, it was just, it was really beautiful. I know that some people were like, oh my God, why are you putting your business on the internet? Which is a very common thing in the black community. But I personally feel like we need to tell more of our business. Not in the nitty gritty, of course, but like we need to be telling each other our stories. There is so much power in our, our stories and our experiences and the things that we feel and we go through. And I feel like it is a huge part of our social conditioning that we don't talk to each other more. Like how many other people, not even just women, but people have crazy stories like that that would really teach us a lot, but they're holding it all in because they feel ashamed or they feel afraid of being judged. And it's like, the reality is that all of us have really crazy shit that happens to us. Like no one has just like a normal even keel life where nothing is happening. We aren't having conflict with people. We aren't having conflict with employers or just with ourselves. Like everyone is having these experiences. And the fact that we don't talk about them more is kind of terrifying because I think that that has led to some of the reasons that we are so easily dehumanized and disenfranchised in America and our government really like they count on us one fighting amongst each other they count on that and they fight on us being they, they count on us being easily distracted they count on us being ignorant and when we tell each other our stories there is so much power in that like so much that we can learn so much that we can unpack there were gender norms that came up in that conversation. There was Christianity that came up and, and, and religion as a whole and how much it indoctrinates us and really can affect our life experience. There was so much. So I am going to attempt to talk about these things in a way that if you have not watched the 52 part series, you will also be able to glean something from it. Um, but if you have time or you're at work and you want something to listen to, you you should go watch that story because it is very interesting. So the first thing I want to talk about is how powerful gossiping is. Like I kind of mentioned it before, like our stories hold so much power, but like we have all been socially conditioned to believe that like gossiping is this really bad thing. And I don't know the root of that, but if I could guess, I would say it was probably religion, especially Christianity, because Christianity... While it is a valid form of spirituality, the, the spirituality has been co-opted for the agendas of like selfish, small-minded men mostly to dehumanize and control people. And 
gossiping is one of those things that they demonize because they don't want women in their communities to talk to one another. Um, it's something that I experienced firsthand being in the Christian community. And it's crazy how much it is embedded into our culture because I've even heard people who don't subscribe to any religion talk about like how bad gossiping is. And I quite frankly think that gossiping saves lives. I think that telling our stories saves lives. And that's basically gossiping is just sharing information. And it's really funny to me because I was actually having a conversation with some friends of mine a couple weeks ago. Um, and we had both been joining an organization. So if you haven't listened to my podcast before, I had considered joining PSL a while ago, like a couple months ago at this point. Well, maybe a month ago at this point. And I was having some like inky feelings when I was joining the organization. Like everything was cool at first, but then as I was learning more about the organization on a national level, and then looking at what I was observing and experiencing on a, on a local level in Baltimore, I was feeling there was some some things that just were bothering me. It was probably my intuition, my gut, whatever you want to call it. But there was just some things where I was like, mm, I feel a little weird. But I put off passing judgment because I thought, I was like, maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Like, I am someone who tends to see deepness and, like, depth everywhere. So I know that not everyone is having that experience. So sometimes I try not to be quick to make a judgment because I understand that, like, I'm having a very deep experience and I need to make sure that I'm taking all things into account, basically. So anyway, I was having these like kind of inky feelings in my gut about this organization and it wasn't until I had made the decision to leave that I like talked to my friend and found out that they were also having the same feelings. And it was frustrating to me because I was like, ugh, why didn't I just gossip with them? <laughs> like, why didn't I just like be honest with them and talk to them about how I was feeling? Because it would have helped both of us so much because both of us were thinking we were having this individual experience when really we were having a collective experience because it was us and another friend and I think some other people too who were just having some weird inky feelings about things. And us not talking to one another created like a weird like stress within ourselves when really if we had been communicating with one another and been saying, hey, I'm having this experience. Are you having this experience too? It could have opened us up to not necessarily a better experience, but a better way of processing it. I think it would have caused us less stress. And so it was funny because we, in that conversation, we even talked about like, man, gossiping just saves, saves lives. Gossiping helps people. Gossiping is information sharing. And the reason I bring up gossiping is because, because Risa Tisa is a Christian, you can see that kind of interwoven into her story. And I'm going to talk about that more later. But because she is a Christian, there were some things like information about her relationship and her marriage that she was trying to like keep to herself and not gossip with her mom and with her aunt and all that. And I really feel like had she done that, it could have saved her a lot of heartache. Like God forbid this man had done something to her, you know, or like harmed her in some way. I just feel like telling her story or telling her experience sooner to her family could have saved her some heartache. But I'm glad that after the fact, she is telling us her story because she can save some women, save some people, not even just women, save some people who are going through really awful relationships and help them see that like, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, you can leave. Like, you don't have to be in this relationship. You can find fulfillment and love and happiness and everything that you deserve 
somewhere else. If that person is not treating you right, if they are lying to you, if they are just simply unkind to you, if they're dehumanizing you, you need to go. And so while like I watched that story and I wish that she had of maybe gossiped a little more while she was going through this experience, I am grateful to the fact that she did not keep the story to herself now because there is just so much that we can learn. There are so many people, I think we would be surprised, who go through really traumatic things in their relationships and we don't talk about it enough. And I think that's why we see a lot of the issues with the gender and social conformity that we see now. And one of the reasons that I felt so moved by this story to include it in my podcast, because I typically talk about like liberation and our humanity and the current movement for liberating Palestine and ending oppression around the world and apartheid and whatnot. Like those are topics that I tend to talk about. So someone could see like a story time like this and think that it doesn't fit into to this type of content. But the, the reality is it does. Because if we want to unpack what are the social so let's take a step back so we have what is happening in palestine which has been happening for a very long time america is complicit in it period our tax dollars go there our leaders are morally corrupt in how they have treated palestinian people over decades not to mention their own citizens black and brown people native indigenous people like it's just a regular thing with America at this point, unfortunately. But we have to understand that for our leaders to do the egregious things that they do around the world, there is a conditioning that is happening in America that makes that doable. There is a reason why Americans tend to have a more shallow existence. We are not, as a collective, people that have depth. We are not, as a collective, people who lead with humanity and empathy. We are not. And it has never been more prevalent than, well, it has been prevalent, quite frankly, a lot in America's history, but we are watching it in real time right now. And so for all the people who are like, oh, it's in our past. No, it's very much a part of our present as well. And so to understand, to, to make, create lasting change, to create a true movement of liberation, I deeply feel that we have to understand the social conditioning, understand the foundation and the basis where people in America are at right now. How did we get to this point where people don't have their humanity, where people not only won't speak out against the genocide, but there are people in America who actively support it. And I think that we need to ask more questions of ourselves about how we got to this point. And so the reason that I am unpacking Risa Tisa's story is because there is so much there that can teach us about where we are as a collective with our humanity and understanding how we got to this point. How or what are the conditions that exist here that make it so that our country can openly continue to commit genocides and no one holds them accountable? That is why we are talking about this story. So, and while I understand the argument that some have online about how we should only ever be talking about Palestine right now, we need to keep talking about Palestine, talk about Palestine more, and we should only be having conversations about Palestine. I understand why they say that, and I understand the urgency of what is happening in Gaza. But the changing of the minds of the American people that needs to happen is unfortunately going to be a long game and it's a strategic game. We're going to need many different tactics. So while I think that we should absolutely directly be talking to people about Palestine, 
we're also going to have to be in some of these other spaces where people are already having conversations about other things. For example, the Reese Teases, the celebrity gossip, as much as I fucking hate that. Like, I'm not going to be the person to volunteer to go into those spaces and connect what these people are talking about to collective liberation. I, I feel like I can't do that. But I, I think that there are people that can do that and are doing that. So we are going to need multiple, multiple different tactics. We are going to talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and hope that these people come to us. But we're also going to have to be able to talk about it and go to them, go into conversations and spaces where they are already having these conversations. For example, sporting events, things like that. Like it works for the online world and the offline world. So all that to say, the conversations around the recitises and all that, while I understand that some people see that they are a distraction, I think that they add to the conversation if we are able to enter those spaces and have conversations in a deep and vulnerable way. And that's what is the key point. So it's not just about going into these spaces and just talking about anything, but it's about going into those spaces and connecting what those people are talking about because people are talking about liberation and oppression and all of that without realizing that they're talking about that. And so if you can go into those spaces with kindness and grace and love and compassion and be like, hey, what y'all are talking about is really this. And let me call it by its name and teach you about it so I can connect it back to something else that you really need to be paying attention to right now. So multiple tactics. That's why it's a collective thing because there are things that I can talk about that someone else can't. And there are things like celebrity gossip that if it, unless it's really, really good and it has to do with like something I can tie in with like our humanity or something like that, cool. But like the petty stuff, I didn't genuinely don't care. <laughs> but I think that there are people who, who do care about those things and they see them for more than what they are in a way where I just kind of poo-poo them away, where they can talk about those things and connect it back to the struggle. And I think that that is very important. So that is why we are talking about Risa Tisa today. All that to say is that I believe that Americans need to gossip more. <laughs> Americans need to tell more of our stories. We need to tell more of our experiences. We need to tap into our vulnerability and our feelings and our humanity, no matter how deeply hidden it is. And we need to be honest and talk to one another. There is so much power in talking to one another. And in that talking to one another, we realize things like we we're realizing from Risa Tisa's story that there are so many gender norms, so many societal norms that we aren't questioning. I really applaud her for how she explains in the story. Like she's, y'all, she's so honest and authentic. Like it is rare to get people who can tell a story like this and be that authentic and open on the internet. She talks about how when she met this man, and she called him Legion, it's not his real name, but she called him Legion. When she met this man, she was at a point in her life where she just wanted it to be her turn. And even though I am not a straight woman, I totally understand that. I 100% understand that. As someone who has spent a good portion of their adult life single and watched so many people that I know people who quite frankly I think aren't that great <laughs> get married get partnered off like and especially the way that marriage gets presented in America is like this thing that we should all always constantly be striving for like it is kind of a mind fuck when you watch other people get in you're like what's wrong with me when is it gonna be my turn when am I going to get someone to love me and that is such a normal thing that Americans experience and she was very honest about that. And I think that that should be commended. 
but also there is a a norm there that i feel like as a collective we should spend some time unpacking because as someone who has also had that feeling of damn will it ever be my turn things really changed for me when i started to ask myself well why do i want to be married like what is it about marriage that attracts me what is it about my desire for marriage do i feel like i'm lacking something else like what is it about this desire is it a true desire or is it a desire that i have because i've been told that this is what i should desire and I think that we all, regardless of how you feel about marriage, should be asking ourselves that because, I mean, marriage is just a piece of paper. You don't have to have that to build a meaningful life with someone. I, I don't believe that. And in fact, it was through me asking myself those questions that I really realized, like, the love that I was really looking for was love for myself. I was looking for partners when really I needed to look for me. And that kind of interaction with oneself is really lacking in American culture because we are so dehumanized. And so that's why we have so much codependency, so many toxic relationships, so many people who stay in relationships with people who genuinely don't like them. And it's really sad. That's really sad. Because to experience deep love, like genuine, true love, regardless of whether it's romantic, platonic, whatever, is one of the greatest gifts in this life. And so to watch so many people choose to spend their entire lives legally attached to someone who doesn't really love them is like one of the most heartbreaking things ever, I feel like. But this is part of the norms that she brought up. Sorry, y'all, the Jimmy Barks are free. <laughs> Another norm that came up, which is huge in the black community, is Christianity. Throughout her story, Christianity is a huge part of it. And, and I'm not judging her, I'm just making an observation that I feel like it was one of the things that kept her oppressed. I mean, I feel like that about my community always, that Christianity keeps us oppressed. It is not, the way that Christianity is practiced in the black community is not a liberating spirituality. It is a spirituality of oppression. It has been hijacked by white supremacy, unfortunately. And black people in the black community tend to use it to oppress ourselves. So there was a point in the story where she knew she needed to divorce this man who was lying to her and like emotionally and mentally like fucking her up. And she, I think she felt like she was gonna let God down if she divorced him. And I'm like, girl, <laughs> there is no way God wants you to stay in a relationship with a man who is treating you so bad. He is lying to you. He is manipulating you. He is not treating you kindly. Like, it is a disrespect to yourself to, to, to let yourself stay in that situation. There is no way that God, whoever you, whatever you believe God is, whether it's he's in the universe or it's a she or whatever, there ain't no way that that's what they want for your life. I refuse to believe that. Even when I was a Christian, I wouldn't have believed that. <laughs> but I also understand I have to leave space for the fact that she's in Georgia. She's in the South. And because I have, I haven't lived in the South, but I've lived in the Midwest and I very much understand how much Christianity is a part of their culture there. So it's a very difficult for a lot of people to separate the two. But it is an interesting observation in the story of how much Christianity oppresses black people and especially black women and that part also kind of broke my heart like the way that christianity still plagues the, plagues the black community really breaks my heart on a regular basis especially because i've had such a personal experience with it like we could be so free but yet we keep 
interacting with a religion that tells us that we can't trust ourselves, that tells us that your heart is evil. And I just think that is so, so dangerous. Like the relationship you have with yourself is such a powerful and intimate relationship. Yet Christianity is a religion that constantly breaks that relationship. Like it is impossible to have it. And I think that's why so people, so many people get easily led astray and easily, um, like led by their fear because you don't have relationship to yourself. It took me years to learn how to love myself after I left Christianity because it took me a long time to work through that mental process of thinking that I'm just rooted in evil, that I come from evil, that my heart is evil. That is the worst thing that I could have ever believed about myself. But it made me more easily manipulatable and it made me make myself smaller for people who were intimidated by my power and my greatness. And it, it does that for all of us who have been in that community. So there was there were some parts of that that made me a little bit sad to see someone so amazing, she's such an amazing human being, not use her spirituality to necessarily like empower her, but it, like she also kind of used it to oppress herself a little bit. So I'm gonna give a spoiler warning. <laughs> Then I'm going to talk about how the story ends. So if you don't want to know, if you haven't watched it and you, I mean, even if I spoil it for you, you could still watch it and still be shocked because like there's so many details that I would never even remember at all. Um, but basically, so this woman and her husband they end up getting a divorce and he ends up going to jail because um, he had a warrant out for his arrest. He had totally lied about who he was. He had totally lied about his family. And actually, his family don't even deal with him no more because he's a liar. Like, that's how bad he lies. And it was really kind of a sad ending a little bit because this man clearly has some, like, other issues going on because the things that he did were really fucking horrible. <laughs> And then she just kind of talks about how she's now healing. Like, of course, she struggles to trust people, which, of course, like, I totally get that. Um, I haven't had people do half the shit that he has done to me, and I have struggled to trust people. It has been a journey to learn how to do that again. And then she explains, like, she just wanted to share this story because she knows that there are other women and people going through the same things. She wants people to know that they have the power to, to leave that they don't just have to put up with anything. And that brings me to something that really frustrated me. So, so Risa Tisa tells this whole story online and before she could even finish, I think she was almost at the very end of her story because it took her a few days to record this and put the stories up. So before she could even finish it, this girl on TikTok reveals who her ex-husband is. Like she finds him and she reveals it. and. That really frustrated me for a lot of reasons because what Risa Tisa did in telling her story this way is really a gift to us. Like, it is such a gift to have someone be this authentic and this vulnerable and this just human online, but also anywhere. Like, people aren't tend to not even do this kind of, like, reveal of information even in real life at this point, unless they're unfortunately making money off of it. But when this woman decided to reveal Risa Tisa's ex-husband and like find him on Facebook, it felt to me like she disrespected the experience that we were all having. Like we were all having this collective deep like experience with Risa Tisa telling us her 
telling us her story and it wasn't about the ex-husband being revealed and all that. It was about her prevailing through, her finding out what had happened, her fighting for her life and her happiness and herself really. And then this woman just like for clout and likes went and found this man. And that that to me is really frustrating, but it also like is another just example of how Americans don't treat each other well. This woman was so unkind and she doubled down online and was like, I did this because women deserve to know about their abusers. And she said that she was abused and blah, 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 blah. And the re- I don't, I don't know. The reality, it feels like she did it for clout. She did it for likes. And it's just like, we were having this really pure, powerful experience. And then someone came in and was mean and unkind. And I don't really, uh, it really makes me mad. <laughs> it really makes me mad. I hate that she revealed Risa Tisa's ex-husband because not only is it dangerous for Risa Tisa but it's just like we don't really leave this man alone this is a person who needs to probably be left alone he probably needs to seek some psychiatric help he or or something 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 he needs something but he don't need to be in the public eye he don't need to be like we don't we don't need people chasing this man down he has done enough we could have just had this story and learned so much but now that that person did that, it was a little bit hard for Risa Tisa to get to the end of her story. And so I think that that made the end even more impactful in a way because she was clearly upset while she was telling it. And I hate the way that that person just like violated this unspoken contract, but that is, that is humans. We are messy and complicated and frustrating. <sighs> And I don't think that that will ever change. We will always have to navigate sometimes people being a lot because that's we have free will and that's we're allowed to make those decisions. I just hope that that woman who revealed Legion can live with her decisions. Another thing that was really interesting about this story, so Risa Tisa works in law enforcement and there's an interesting dynamic here where I really feel like people who are part of the ACAB community who don't fuck with cops and also don't want like the police force to be a thing, which I am a part of that community. But sometimes I feel like we make these strong stances and we don't fully understand what day-to-day life is like for people living in some of these areas, which we do when it's extreme cases of like police violence. But then this is a person Risa Tisa, Risa Tisa is a person who is working in law enforcement. She wasn't a police officer or anything like that, but she did something else. I can't remember exactly what she did. So we have this interesting dynamic of this person who lives in Georgia, who lives in the metro Atlanta area, which is an area that is getting a cop city, unfortunately. And we have this very interesting view into what someone's life looks like in that area who is not part of the ACAB community, who works, actually works in law enforcement. And it's interesting to see just how much law enforcement is kind of interwoven into regular, regular life there. And so I just think that that's a very interesting relationship um, or very, or more so interaction might be the more correct term because she's in law enforcement and then she of course has to call the cops on her ex once she kicks him out and Hold on, let me pause that for a second. There's a really funny part of the story where she kind of snaps 
and really fully like feels all of her emotion and rage around this man and she's trying to get him out of her house she's trying to kick him out of her house <laughs> and she looks at this man it says i'm gonna beat you like the bitch you are <laughs> And I just think that that's funny. I'm so sorry. I just thought that that is so funny. Like, I I just feel like that probably felt so good for her. As someone who has kicked an ex out of their house, I, I didn't do it in a dramatic form like Risa Tisa. But man, I'm kind of, there's a part of me that's like, damn, I should have really let that nigga have it. This <laughs> is a little side story. But basically she ends up having to work with the cops basically to get this man to like protect herself and get this man out of her house. And there's an interesting, there's just interesting ways that law enforcement is interwoven into our lives. And I think that we should need to see more under examples of this and understandings of this, especially for those of us who are like, we don't fuck with the cops and we also don't want cops in our communities. And so what does that look like in a situation like this? So, you know, what does that look like in domestic dispute, disputes? And I think those of us who say ACAB need to be having more conversations like this because there are people who have been through situations like this who struggle to say ACAB because the cops may have been the only person that they could call when their ex was coming to, like, do something crazy. And so I, I think that there is... There's a lot to to learn and understand and unpack in that situation. And even though I'm someone who's very much anti-police, I appreciated her perspective being someone who works in law enforcement, being someone who had to rely on law enforcement to protect her when her ex-husband was probably going to try to do some bodily harm to her or like physically harm her house or something. It is a very interesting um situation that I think that we can really unpack and learn a lot from like this is why someone in the comments of one of her videos was like girl this is like a case study which it is you can learn so much from this another point I want to make is uh, it's a little sad to me to see some of the commentary online and hear people say like where's Ava where's Shonda where who's gonna buy this story who's gonna produce this movie and it's a little sad to me because if the current movement to liberate Palestine is teaching us anything, it's that Hollywood is just propaganda. Hollywood is capitalistic. And anyone attached to it, I feel safe saying I would assume the same. Um, Ava and Shonda are great. I don't have anything against them. I don't know those ladies. But those ladies, I feel like, have done their part. Y'all are rich. You did what you did. It was great. <laughs> I am ready to see some stories from some other people. I want to see things made for the people, made for the collective, and not made for Hollywood, not made to pad some Hollywood execs' pockets. And capitalism tends to strip away so much deepness to our stories, to our experiences. They don't want us to be empowered. They don't want us to be well-informed. They want us to be distracted and ignorant. And so selling her story to Hollywood, I'm afraid, would, would buy into that and not and strip away the power that is in her story. And so it makes me a little bit sad to see people just go so quick to, you gotta sell your story when, why do we have to monetize anything? I was just at a gathering this past weekend um, and we were talking about this because someone who was there was talking about how they like to crochet and 
that thinking that everything has to be monetized kind of really sucked away their artistic creativity for a long time. And I think that I have also experienced the same thing with my writing and with my speaking and the art that I make. We monetize everything in America, partly because we're so desperate to survive because everything is so fucking expensive and none of us get paid regularly or fairly in our full-time jobs. But also like, there's this whole idea of like, we all are trying to be rich and, and why? That doesn't, that's not, that doesn't have to be the case. We don't have to, we can just share our stories to help one another. We don't have to monetize them. Or if you want to monetize your stories because Risa Tisa put in a lot of work to make those videos and I think she does deserve to be compensated, but she don't have to sell it to Hollywood to, to for that to happen. I personally, shit, I would love to see her make a Patreon or something else where she produces her stories, maybe with a small team and people pay her that way. Like I would, I shit, if, Recent season started, Patreon was like, I'm gonna tell y'all stories. I would pay for that. I would pay for that. If she went to Hollywood and worked with Ava and probably tried to produce her movie and put it in theaters, I probably wouldn't watch it. I'm just being totally honest. <laughs> like, I feel like her sharing her story on TikTok and the way she did it, is it's accessible. Like, anybody can watch it. It has captions. Like, this is the most accessible, most powerful human authentic, vulnerable story that I probably have heard in a really long time. We do not have to monetize our stories in order for them to be impactful, in order for them to be powerful. Honestly, the way she shared her story on TikTok, I felt like she did this for the people. <laughs> like this was a gift for the collective and we should look at it as such. I also love that it wasn't like perfect or aesthetic because that is what has been the norm. Like those are sometimes the the influencers and the content get, that gets pushed is this white norm of all these white women pushing this aesthetically beautiful content. It has to be perfectly produced and her stuff wasn't. It wasn't and I loved that. I loved that. I would love to see the downfall of these perfect aesthetic influencers who are just there to sell us stuff and to see like a rise of people like Risa Tisa who are, are they're not selling us anything, they're just being authentic and just being themselves and they're telling us stories that hopefully we can learn from. I mean, I feel like it's very similar to my platform on TikTok, but I have not <laughs> told personal stories like the one that Risa Tisa did. Although I don't really know if I would have one that would catch people's attention the way that that did because I'm like the queen of cutting people off. Like, listen to her story, I was like, damn, I should have did a little more digging to my ex before I just kicked him out, but I just didn't wanna deal with him no more. Like, I knew he was lying, so I was just like, you gotta go. <laughs> so, all this to say, if you want to listen to something that will have your jaw on the floor, but also like really touch your heart and teach you like something about someone else's experience here, I highly recommend listening to Risa Tisa's whole little who the fuck did I marry I'm actually gonna put her TikTok handle in the show notes so y'all can easily find her account if you haven't seen it yet like if you had some time or whatever you want to wait till the weekend like the playlist is still up I, I I highly recommend listening to it it is like a case study in just a genuine authentic human experience in America and I feel like there's just a lot to learn but also like let me encourage you to also share your stories. Like it is not a requirement to go in detail like Risa Tisa did. Like I <laughs> I applaud her for sharing so much of that as someone who 
struggles between like how much I share online versus how much I keep to myself. Like it, it was beautiful. And so maybe you don't listen to Risa Tisa's story. Like maybe you hearing me talk about it is enough, but I, I encourage you to share your content. I encourage you to share your story. Maybe TikTok isn't a place for you. Maybe, maybe you like Reddit. Maybe you just really feel good about Reddit. Like talk to people and share your experiences because what America doesn't need right now is people who close themselves off to other people. America really needs courageous, regular, degular people to do radical acts of humanity. And I really feel like that's what this story is. Like the way it has encapsulated the entire internet is insane. And I really hope that people are able to, and this is one of the reasons that I'm even talking about this, I really hope that people are not just able to listen to the story and enjoy it on a surface level. We really need to be practicing and working on looking at things with depth and deepness and understanding and compassion and empathy and humanity. Because when you see someone do what Risa Tisa did, you feel almost a permission in yourself for you to do the same. And that's what I really want to focus on is her sharing like that, man, sure I can share more of my stories online because I feel like it was like a silent permission given. It's like a silent permission to get out there and share your your story, however is authentic for you. Because our stories have power and our stories help one another. And sharing our stories and talking to one, one another can help change the climate of this country that makes regular genocides possible and we just ignore it. If you care about liberation, if you care about ending oppression, then we have to care for one another here in America. It really is that deep, y'all. Join the follow-up dialogue by signing up for my Patreon, Into the Deep with Kendall. You can find the link in the show notes. Your membership also sponsors this podcast and gives you access to exclusive content. I want to thank y'all for supporting this creative as I follow my dreams of impacting the world and supporting myself and my family with my words. Your listening ear and your sponsorship mean the world to me. Thank you. Until next time, keep your minds open and your hearts rooted in revolutionary love.